Alright, listeners, welcome back to another episode. Uh, the third episode, I believe, of the Charlie Charlie One podcast. Before I get into it, I just want to say a quick thank you to everybody who has listened to the podcast so far, who has subscribed to it, who has left a little review for it, who has rated it on the various platforms that it's available on. Thank you all so much for doing that. It really helps to get the word out there. And this is just, like I've said before, another channel or another platform where we could reach all the different... um, demographics of the core family so thank you guys the the word couldn't get out there without you and without your support and your help it would just be me wobbling on week after week uh, in these interviews so listen i really appreciate it we all really appreciate it in the uh, in the charity so thank you now today's guest is in my humble opinion a bit of a core legend he has had a phenomenal career in the core, a very long career, um, and in many respects and in many areas, reached the top of his profession in many different ways. He's a guy that I am proud to call a friend, someone I respect immensely and who I look up to. And why I really wanted to, to interview this gentleman and to get him on the podcast is because, and this will become a lot more apparent at the end of the podcast, but when you listen to his his career from the very beginning, um, from where he started as a child, through to everything that he achieved, to the level he achieved it at, and then you hear about the major switch fire he made when he left Core, it, it might surprise a lot of people, and I think it's fascinating, and it just makes me respect this guy even more. And my, my hope with this version of the podcast is that it will inspire other guys, either in the core, guys that are transitioning out of the core, or guys who are already outside the core, who have a deep passion that they want to pursue, but for whatever reason, something's holding them back and it's, it's stopping them to pursue their passion. Listen to this interview and I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. And if I was still serving, it would definitely have helped me uh, when I transitioned outside to to pursue exactly what it was that I wanted to do. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome this week's guest on the Charlie Charlie One podcast, former Royal Marines Commando, Tommy Roberts. Tommy. Thank you, mate, for coming on to the Charlie Charlie One podcast. Uh, it's an honour to have you here, mate. I appreciate you giving up your time because I know you're super busy. I've been following what you do on social media uh, and I've been to to, uh, to see you mm-hmm. in the flesh. Uh, I don't want to give too much away at the minute because this is going to come towards the end of the podcast, but thank you for coming on, mate. What I really want to do is, is tell your story. Uh, from the beginning, if you don't mind, uh, all the way through your career. And then I want to talk about what you do now, because I think it is going to be very inspirational for a lot of lads who are either thinking about leaving the core or who have left and there's something they really want to do, something they're passionate about, but for some reason they're they're holding themselves back. And I think by hearing about your story, uh, it's really going to help motivate people 
and steer them in a direction to do what it is they want to do and what they're passionate about. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, we had a little chat off air. Um, you told me a few things I didn't know, but let's start where you grew up in Belfast. In what what year? What era? <laughs> quite quite a few years ago. <laughs> but but thanks thanks for having me, Mark. And it's uh, I think we should have done this ages ago, but yeah. it's been a while. So I grew up in a, a, as a young Catholic Irish lad in uh, Belfast. I sort of come back. I sort of come from the. Uh, I think this sort of like archetypal sort of Irish Catholic background. You know, went to school with the Christian brothers. I went to priest seminary college, grammar school, and then bizarrely, I I joined the Royal Marines, which is, I suppose, is a considered to be quite you know a, a diverse or a you know a, a strange choice. But for me, it was like a destiny. For me, I sort of like you know went through went gone through school and that, and I just sort of like latched onto this thought of being a Royal Marines commando and it was I suppose in hindsight now it's a very very strong decision to make possibly not by me but definitely for my parents to to support me doing what I did and and I have to admit I I still love my parents massively and and I respect them for letting me have their choice to move forward and do what I wanted to do which because of the restriction of the culture and at the times and the troubles in Belfast I'm very proud for them to make that choice and do it. So if I hadn't have been for them, I couldn't have really you know, liberated myself. I'm not liberated myself. I love, I'm always an Irish man. I always have my green on when, when Ireland are playing rugby. So, but it's uh, that ability to sort of have a choice in life and not be restricted by, you know, you know, there's boundaries there that, you know, are imposed upon you. You just got to go and do it. And, and my family let me do it. So I, I joined Her Majesty's Finest and, uh, what a roller coaster that's been. So we all know it. All of us have been through training. You join up at Limston, you get off that train and you're like, oh my God, yeah. what's it yeah. all about? And then that period of your life is, you up until that stage, I'd never done anything as hard or as arduous, both physically and mentally, uh, up to that stage. How, how old were you when you joined up? I was 17, but probably because of the sort of dark background really because I've got obviously as most people in Ireland have I have family members that were involved in different organisations you know back back in Ireland and uh, it may have delayed my entrance into the core for some reason for security checks but I, okay. I got through them in the end uh, and so I got my O-level results walked straight down to the uh, which weren't very good <laughs> I went straight down to the careers office and uh, joined uh, asked to join the Royal Marines and from there, it was about six, seven months. And then I got my PRC, as it was then, before PRMC, mm-hmm. uh, and joined up. And that was 1986. So that's when I joined the, the Beloved Corps. And I have to admit, even now, and I've got I've got two sons that are Royal Marines now as well, but uh, I think that's the the most positive decision I've ever made in my life. Yeah, set you on a good path for the future. Oh, completely. And I think for for any young person, especially young men, that choice really is is i mean it's it's for individuals to do but that choice for me was was probably the most positive choice that that i made and and no regrets and, and no look back and again i'm lucky to have survived the roller coaster since then but it was it was incredible and that test and that test you get as a young man going there uh being you know i mean you think about it i come from belfast so Culturally and everything, it's completely different. I had no family that were in the military, so mm-hmm. the military organisation, I was never in the cadets, I was never in anything else. I just okay. had a focus to be, right, I'm going to be a Royal Marines commando. So 
and I fully so I was I suppose in a way I was like a you know I was I was unmolded so they they could ply and they, a piece of putty they could sort of make me and you know create what they wanted mm-hmm. but all I had like was in, and it was it's good obviously the support from your family is just my mother saying look if you give a hundred percent and you do you focus and give everything you want mm-hmm. you it'll happen and in the Royal Marines it's strangely it does you know what I mean mm-hmm. but again you have to focus and you have to do it and if you learn that from you know day one week one that's the, that's what I learned and I'm going. And I put me in good stead for the rest of my career, mm-hmm. but you do have to do it. And there's there's a strange thing, and I have in the hindsight as well. Looking back in hindsight, there's a reason you are a Royal Marines commander when you have those flashes on, because it is extremely hard, mm-hmm. and there are times it could be extremely dangerous, yeah. and there's times you've got to do that extra little bit just to make things happen. And I think uh, the core and, and the commando brigade we do that, you know, in spades. No, mate, I, I joined at 17 as well, and I'm always honest about this. I, I struggled like hell through training. Half the time, I didn't know what was going on. Um, you know, 17-year-old, thrown in with 62 other men, all older than, I think I was the second youngest in my troop. Everyone else, you look around, they seem to know what they're doing, and I'm just kind of cuffing my way through it. Now, I, I know about a lot of the things you did in your career, from what, you know, we've been friends a while now, what we just spoke about off air, um, and we'll talk about that all in a minute, but... How did you how did you find training? What was difficult for you? Because speaking to you offline, it wouldn't seem like anything would be difficult for you. Um, but I'm sure there were one or two things. No, I think I, to be honest, it's the for training, it's the intensity and that that full on because you've got to remold yourself, your personal administration, the physical challenges really are completely new. You don't do fizz like that before you join, you know, and even guys that are provide like, you no know, high level football and rugby, they still don't push that level in yeah. that type of fitness. So it's that, you know, the intensity and the duration. I think that, because I, I was young, but I was very, I think I was very strong-minded and it wasn't going to overcome me. But there were times where there was those lonely phone calls. There was no mobile phones in those days. There was right. lonely phone calls. Oh, yeah. Back to your, <laughs> back to your family. There was little, you used to get the green cards and you used to go to the, get in the queue, the phone, and ring back home going, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. But in a way, you do, mm-hmm. but you need your parents or some sort of support to give it to go, you are doing the right thing. You know, just keep focusing, keep going. And, and I think that that's... That's you know, information or knowledge that it works across the spectrum everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you just got to do it, you got to. Do it. You are everyone feels like that in whatever spectrum of life. There's mm-hmm. times where they're going, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing, but persistence and focus will get you through in the end. You know what I mean? And we better luck as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did, I mean, did you ever? I don't want to. Yeah. I end up going down this rabbit hole sometimes talking yeah. about my experiences, but I always remember the difficult times. And, you know, when you want to wrap and quit and, and go home, because I, you know, I only lived 45 minutes from Limston, but I always knew that the minute I stood on that bone rattler train to go into Exeter, yeah. I'd feel like, you know, yeah. I'd feel real bad. And uh, instantly, good you, did, you didn't I, say I, the I word. Swore, um, <laughs> I'd instantly regret it. So, you know, I, I don't know much about Northern Ireland. Yeah. You know, I, I missed all that in my career. I was only born in, in 83. <laughs> I was three uh. years old when you joined. Yeah, say living. Say but living. did you, you know, did you did that ever run through your mind? Like, well, what am I going to do when I go, if if I give up now and I don't pass this training, what am I going to do? If I have to go back home, you know, yeah. and, and what will I do when I get back there? I mean, it, I mean, times have really changed that. I mean, when I, when I did join up, nobody really knew that I'd gone off to join the Royal Marines. Right. Uh, so it was only my family 
but but with it because because I'd said it was my destiny I felt it was my destiny I had to achieve it there's no way I could have went I can't do this mm. you know what I mean it, it was just something and I don't know if, is that something you had before in a way probably you do have it before you have that mindset I think because I think there's a no I wouldn't say it. everyone's capable anyone can be a Royal Marine Commando any, any, you know, any person can focus and become a Royal Marine Commando but it's that commitment and focus and I think I did have it because it was no this is it this is I'm I'm deciding this I own this this is mine mm-hmm. you know for having and you got to keep that and if you do it's if you don't keep that goal in your sights really you, you're losing the focus and that right. you know what I mean so you've got to and you've got to train yourself to do it and for me there were times where I'm going maybe I'm not capable of this maybe this is just you know yeah, some sort yeah. of like mm-hmm. you know imagine but again and it goes back to well no it doesn't matter if it's your imagination it's what you can do and and for me and I think even all the things I've done which have been, have been very close to the wire every time I've done it I've always looked left and right and back in history and looked forward and went other people have done this you know yeah, I mean? yeah other people have done this this is a normal human mm-hmm. being thing you can achieve this and that goes into even high intensity operations and that there you're going no 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 people have done this before mm-hmm. just think of your training you know think you're going to do and especially when you I mean you've been there Mark you know that when it does come to those high intensity and that life or death situation especially if you're a commander you're looking around at your guys and they're looking at you mm-hmm. and you in a way have to be an actor don't you you have to go ah I know potentially I could possibly die today, but however, I'm looking at you guys. Don't worry about it, lads. We'll be okay. Right. Follow me, and that's it. But it's very, you know, in a way, there's there's a lot of. It's not bravado because you're certain, but you look at those guys, and they're going to be the support that's going to make you achieve your aim. Mm-hmm. And I suppose in training, it's exactly the same. When we're in training, you look around the guys, and my friends that I was in training with. They're still some of my closest friends, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. like three, three years ago. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's fast forward through all of that, all the ups and downs, the highs and lows, the the cold, the wet, the lack of sleep, lack of food. Oh, I love all that. No, you don't. <laughs> well, maybe you do actually. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, you pass out of training. Coming towards the end of that training, did you have a solid idea of where you were going to take your career? Oh, yeah. I mean, at the time, uh, it's quite weird. Before I joined, just before I joined up, the the TV program at the time, I wanted to join the Royal Marines from, I was seven years old. Tried to join when I was seven years old. But seven. They, yeah. There was, you know, the uh, advertisement in the paper back in Belfast, and I filled it in, sent it off, and I got the brochures and everything when I was seven, like, obviously, okay. you know, and, and, but unfortunately, I was too young at the time to join mm-hmm. up. So, and my father went, you'll grow out of it. <laughs> obviously, I didn't. But, uh, so... Fast forward. Well, how did you drop that one? Say again. So right. So I, I lost lost between a thought there. Right. Uh, so I also wanted to do, but just before I actually started training, there was a, this program called Behind the Lines on on the telly, and it was about Romanian mountain leaders. I've heard of it. Yeah, and it's it's still I think it still holds holds court. If you look at it on uh, YouTube, whatever else in that. It is an incredible program, and and a lot of the main actors, are there, the main players in it, are really good friends of mine now, which was bizarre because they were like sort of pseudo heroes. I watched on the TV, yeah. going, "I want to be one of those." Mm-hmm. That to me was, you know, and then when I did 
when I was in training, I was focusing on like, what unit I want to go to Norway. So I need to go to a 4-2 commando or a 4-5 commando. Oh, okay. So I've gone, right, I'll put in for 4-2. Got 4-2 commando because I wanted to go to Norway. Mm-hmm. Wanted to get in reconnaissance, you know. So, you know, and that was, it was sort of all, always in a band, I know, do this. And, and I was my first section commanders and that were either SCs or MLs. And I was that going, and I was going, oh, and that's it. And I'm strange enough, my first section commander in Norway was one of the guys that was on behind the lines. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so it was that. Oh. And, but I, and that sort of um, endorsed the path that I wanted. So I was always going to be an ML. Mm-hmm. And uh, I strayed for about, I think, about six lengths in a swimming pool to go down to pool. Okay. But uh, that was because I was working with a, a bunch of guys who are good friends of mine who ended up going down to pool. But I was like, well, you know, when you again, it's that destiny thing. No, no, I'm I'm supposed to be an ML. Yeah. So that was that was my path. You know, I mean, and in it's spooky. I suppose it's why I end up doing night. But it's just that. No, that's it. So when it, when you get pulled a deviant and going, no, but that 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 has to be scratched first. That has to be done first before mm-hmm. you know. And then if I feel that path, then Got you, it. you you'll follow it. Right now, I would say I guess ninety five percent of our listeners are in the core family. But for the percentage that are potentially out and out civvies, can you can you quickly explain what an ML is? Because oh. it's something that I would never have wanted to do, oh, <laughs> um, and they terrified me not only in training but as a trained rank walking around units. I would always avoid anywhere the MLs were uh, because of what they do to you in training. But just tell us a little bit about what that entails and what you specialise in. Well, I. I- I think that's a bit unfair. That no, yeah, a lot not. of the listeners will go, oh, but I, I think fear in some sort of ways, possibly. But that's that's history, I think. But with it, right, Royal Marines mountain leaders are uh, the the instructors. It's Corporal Two level uh, at entry point, and it, it has changed. It's went to Marine entry, but now it's gone back to Corporal ML Two. So it's an okay. ML Two Corporal entry level. So it's an instructor's. In it mainly, so they instruct in uh, mountainous and cold weather warfare. So you're always cold. Love a bit of cold. Love a bit of rain. Special. Always wet. Yeah. Ski borne operations, uh, but they're also the the forward reconnaissance element or the pre advanced force, pre landing force. Sorry for uh, three commander brigades. So they'll send guys to do the reconnaissance uh, in a cold weather environment or mountainous environment Mm -hmm. or even in you know jungle environments as part of the uh, SRS. and then with it, there are other jobs and in a unit that we work working mainly in the recce troops. But however, we we do have guys that are in the rifle company, so they'll do section co- commander. Mm-hmm. There'll be a section commander within a in a rifle company. But um, the main thing is is that we we deliver the uh, the ability, which was still it's still laid down in what the corps instructions. We have to be able to do a cliff assault or a, yeah. a vertical assault. So it's be able to get a commanding or a body of men over a vertical assault which would be a cliff face it could be a mountain pass it could be wherever so it's that ability to get the commandos from one point a to point b mm-hmm. overcoming uh, different obstacles and the, the the mls would guide train and lead people in these environments okay um yeah i i so if you've it, got a fear of heights it's maybe not you know Actually, I, I love doing all that stuff in training and ML. I don't just say this because you're sitting in front of me, and, and a lot of my friends are MLs, and I always had the utmost respect for them because for me it was it, it was on par with the, the lads at Paul. From you know, I was a young Marine um, looking for my my pathway, but um, it, you know, I, all I saw was people that were in the snow, cold, wet, 
nails. But <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I want to sit in a in a vehicle cab with a pasty and a cup of tea, and I'll watch those guys <laughs> doing that, and I'm quite happy uh, just sitting back and watching. But when you decided that, then so. Early on in your career, you know, you know what you want to do. You've seen behind the lines. You're you're dedicated to that. You go out, you do that. Yeah. You achieve that, and then you're on your way. And I mean, is that what you did? You I, I don't know. Sorry, forgive yeah. me. But did you? No, no. The the, the story for the ML two because I seen behind the lines. My only, you know, my destiny in the call was to be an ML two corporal in the might not an Arctic warfare cadre or as it was BPT the Brigade Patrol Troop. Mm-hmm. So when I got to that position, I was a substantive corporal, uh, an ML2 corporal in Brigade Patrol Troop. I thought, this is it. My mission is achieved. This is what I want to do. And then and that was that was the height of it. You, yeah, that was happy. it. But that was my that was my target. That okay. that to me. And I'm doing my ML2 scores, and I came top of it, which is quite tough. Okay, let's get that you in there. Yeah, you know, got, got you know what I mean. It's <laughs> cheap, I know, but cheap is good. Get it in there. Yeah, I've got, I've got worse. I'm more cheaper than I. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, so. When I achieved that, that to me was right. That's it. That, that I really sort of like you know the feeling I had was wonderful, uh, and that was that was it basically. It's bizarre because my son's an ML two corporal now as well, which is spooky. Oh, is he really? Yeah. So we uh, so once I'd done that and I, I was happy, then all of a sudden uh, my OC at the time was George Matthews, uh, Captain George Matthews, major captain, uh, and he was officer commander in ML company. Mm-hmm. He called me in and said, oh, "Right." Uh, uh, Tommy, yeah, uh, this is it. Uh, you're on your senior command course. I'm like, wow, no, 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 no. I'm I'm a corporal, ML two, in brigade patrol troop. That that's that's what I'm here for. That's what mm-hmm. I want to do. I don't want to be a sergeant, and it's one of those things. But you have to, yeah. This is it. You've well, got why, to move on. Why didn't you want to be a sergeant? Because of the difference in the job, what it would entail. Well, no, but I, yeah, because I said, I felt that that was the. Because all I wanted to be in the corps, let's say, was was a, an operator, uh, you right. know, uh, you know that either a marine or a corporal, mm-hmm. carrying on with. And obviously, it, it changes in time. But at that time, that's what I wanted to be. If I became a troop sergeant, your troop sergeant, you, it's another little step. Yeah. Whereas you, 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 to me, it's always about that section and that corporal. Right. And that's why I mean, I think even my measurement of people in the Royal Marines now is, you, would you have them in your section? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, a, it's, yeah. not, it's never met anyone. Would you have in your section? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, that, that's it. And that, that just shows you where it sits with me, mm-hmm. where the reality of operators sit, you know, in, in our core. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Troop Sergeant, brilliant job. Love being a Troop Sergeant. Uh, love being an ML1 uh, team commander. And, and that's when I got caught up really in quite an operational bubble as a Sergeant, really. So I, I got done, done my seniors, done my ML1, Mount Leader Class 1s course. And then I went to... I spent five years in operations, so I went 98-99 was in Northern Ireland, 2000-2001 uh, in Kosovo, mm-hmm. 2002 in Afghanistan and 2003 in Iraq, okay. and that was as a, as a team commander when Brigade Patrol Troop, up until sorry, Iraq when I was a colour sergeant and I was second in command of Brigade Patrol Troop. Well, what was it like then? Um... You know, going back to Ireland now as a, a stripey in the core, mountain leader, having grown up there. Now you're back deployed there. I, I yeah. mean, I can't I mean, even imagine what that would have been like. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll not go into the you know, sort of like the work I've done done in Ireland, you know, uh-huh. as anything. But yeah. I, I'll, I, I enjoyed it. And this is again, I'm not a politician. I'm a Royal Marine who's right. who's now doing what I do. But uh, for me, I, I, I had to be there to make sure that. 
you know, for me, it was to stop Irish people killing Irish people, killing Scottish people, killing British people, killing Polish people. It's for me to just stop Irish people doing that mm -hmm. and find, you know, a a peaceful way forward, you know what I mean? Which, you know, it does. And hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, that's that's the way it's going now. But that, that I didn't, it was, for me, it was fully supportive of, of being an Irish person and supporting, you know, the people off the island, you know, mm -hmm. whether they consider themselves Northern Irish or, you know, Republican Irish, or it, it didn't matter. It was Irish people just going like, let's just stop this, you know what I mean? And, and I thought I, I I did my bit to, you know, preserve that, you know what I mean? And, you know what I mean, just stop them killing each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was about, you know, yeah. that's what I feel. And that's that's me not being a politician, that's me just yeah, being a human course, being, you yeah. know. And then, sorry, you said Kosovo after that? Yeah, I went to Kosovo. Yeah, Kosovo, we went in, I was in Brigade Patrol Troop. We had a very busy, very successful and fruitful tour mm -hmm. with uh, doing surveillance and, you know, uh, sort of covert stuff in uh, around, you know, in, in Kosovo itself on the borders was Serbian. It was, it was in, yeah, it was a very, very good, tour, a very productive tour. And we were, I think we were, we were moving forward with the technology uh, in surveillance and reconnaissance and, okay. and, and you know, and, and we were, I think we were, we're pioneers in a way for for you know getting results with it mm -hmm. as well. And then on to some of the more you know current conflicts. Again, we talked about a couple of these off air and whatever you're comfortable talking about. Um, maybe starting with Telek in Iraq. Yeah, well, obviously we went. I was in Jakarta first, which was obviously the year before. Two thousand two. Two thousand two. You said you went, didn't you? No, I, I uh, finished training in two thousand one. Yeah. Was trained for Jakarta, but never went. Yeah. Um, we done Jakarta and then come back. Which again for us it was, it was a few feisty moments, but we were fully like you know we 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 fully Im embedded in a lot of the mountainous areas, and did a lot of good work there as well. But it was quite a, you know I mean we were, we were trying to track down and where was the threat? You know what I mean where was the threat? Is is there going to be? And again we weren't focusing in the area where we ended up doing operations. We were more over uh, Western Afghanistan, and it, and it was very good. We met some incredible people and some incredible characters, uh, and and it could have been quite feisty in a lot of, lot of times mm -hmm. but but we, I think we done you know again we were we had a very successful tour and we we we, we proved our worth as such as a, as a you know as a formation reconnaissance force like okay and uh you know so that was successful and then after that which is not surprise you know well, it was very surprising even though the obviously 9/11 had happened the world had changed as such we ended up in Afghanistan then coming out of that our focus changed to Iraq which which again was a surprise but we were all Marines and we had to do what we had to do. So You couldn't have had much of a gap between Jakarta and Telic. No, no, we literally came off. We involved, that was when I took, we'd done a, an exercise role Shama after that up in the Isle of Skye. We'd done a reconnaissance exercise mm -hmm. concentra concentration, done that, went, and then as soon as we got back from that, we went out to, in fact, wasn't that was a fourth? Didn't you do Sede Quan? Did you do that? No, that. Safe Syria, Safe Syria won't be done. I didn't do that, no. 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 Well, that was before Afghanistan. So, done at the Isle of Skye exercise. And when we were when we were up in, in Skye, the CEO would come up and give us a brief and said, Look, we're going to be deploying, uh, we're going to be uh, going to Iraq. Mm -hmm. You know, and you guys are going to be there working with the US Marines. So, so we deployed on that. And obviously, you know, the story unfolded from there when we lost the lads. And, and I sort of had this sort of with with the rest of the team that was left, we had to pick the reins up and and run with the brigade recce force really. Mm -hmm. And after Iraq, obviously Herrick took off, and that was busy for everybody for like yeah, a, yeah. a decade. So you're deploying, you know, back to back on there as well. At the same time, 
am I right in thinking you were still climbing the promotion ladder? Oh no, like I say, I wouldn't say it's climbing the promotion ladder, it's just doing your job and things fall and fall. Yeah, 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 no, I get it. It It's it's, it's a bizarre thing, I've never, I don't think I've ever (laughs) climbed the promotion ladder, I just go, oh, you can promote tonight, oh, you can promote tonight, oh, all right, all right. So I, coming out of uh, Iraq, and obviously, you know, it was quite a testy time for our lads, we lost Mm -hmm. quite a few lads in the helicopter crash, Uh, you know, God bless them, and uh, you know, they're always in our thoughts and their families are. But then after that, I came out of that and I got promoted to Sergeant Major and uh, I went off to Newcastle. So when the Herricks sort of like started happening, I was sort of out of, out of the, that was the first time in my career out of the brigade. Oh, okay. So I was, right, right, right. I was Unisarm Major at RMR Tyne. Then I come back as at CTC as a wing sergeant major of the command wing. Uh, with the lads going through, which is bizarre because he killed, still keep bumping into guys that were sergeant majors when I took them in. They were going to, they're doing their corporal courses and that. And oh, I was yeah. a sergeant major. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, after that, then I was K Company Sergeant Major before getting promoted to W1. So, you know, I, I got the chance and I was, a, you know, a Company Sergeant Major. Uh, but the that whole time was, it was harder, you know, in a way, because you weren't involved in the kinetic battle. I, I got, you know, towards Herrick 14, then I was mm-hmm. when I, next time I deployed. So it was a time, and that time I spent was a lot of, um, I've done a few burials, buried a few of our lads, mm-hmm. you know, done a bit of repatriations. And because I was the ML spec advisor towards, you know, Herrick Nine and that, I I was, you know, you know, facilitating looking after injured like, you know, mountain leaders or people yeah. from that that, you know, their families and that. And and again, hopefully, you know, we done as best we can to support them and support the lads. And there's some like, you know, quality, quality blokes that, that have like sustained injuries like yourself, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, Barrett. yeah. And when when I happened the Baz, yeah, Bish mm-hmm. that Bish yeah, used to be yeah. one of my Marines and mm-hmm. uh and uh he was even my Marines, I was a troop sergeant. G1 oh yeah but but incredible G1 Uh, you you know what I mean G1's just it's not managed properly (laughs) and how you know being what you just said earlier about the pinnacle for you when you were young was to be uh, an ML corporal out on the ground doing the job you know you climbed up like you said you got to W1 spec advisor you were kind of you know, you take that more administrative role, then, don't you, of looking after everybody? And- yeah, but I think as an ML, you still could do the ML spec advisor. So you're still deploying, you're still doing, you're still climbing with the guys, you're still doing. You so, so you're you, still operating. You know what I mean, as so well you as still doing the what you loved, yeah, and what you joined to do, and what you're passionate yeah. about, but at the highest ranks. Yeah. Okay, and then what happened? And then I got commissioned. And then he got commissioned. And then I, and then, but as soon as I got commissioned, I went to thirty commander, which was Stone Ice, mm-hmm. and. I deployed on Herrick 14. I was the uh, liaison officer, ops officer for the Brigade Recce Force. So I was back in the more, more operational fold. Although I was doing staff work, but I was planning and targeting for them. And and that was, a, again, that, that Herrick for the, the Brigade Recce Force at the time was extremely uh, busy, but very fruitful. We got some cracking results. And... Uh, and we brought everyone back, which is which was wonderful. But the the lads in that in in the force, such in in the were, were incredible. Absolutely, some of the, some of the you know the the quality that we had there on the ground mm-hmm. is is second to none. I think in our in our you know in the in the times I've worked you know in the deployments, and I, I got a lot of those guys who remain like you know close friends for the rest of our days, like you know. But they yeah. they were again everything ultra professional, but uh, again we had a a smattering of luck which got got the lads through you know what I mean mm-hmm. so for me 
what what you've just described is is pretty much the I know it isn't yeah. like this in reality because you know it's never that smooth a ride, but it's like the picture perfect career. You know, you come in as a marine, you do what you want to do on what you love, you climb the ladder, you get to the highest rank as an other rank, you then commission as an officer. All good things come to an end. Yeah. So obviously, around about this time, you know, you're looking at. Did you do more than twenty two? You must have. Done. Oh yeah, I've done. Oh, what, when I left the corps after By the regular? Time you, yeah, regular. I'd done nearly 30 years. Nearly 30 years yeah. to get to that point. But then... That's oh, no, it. no, that's it. No, from that point, that I'd done... Uh, sorry, I'd done 24 years when I got commissioned, and then I'd done a further six years. As, as an officer. Yeah. And then it came to an end. Or you, well, had, to, really. you had to make that decision, or you... No, they, they, again, this is another epiphany moment. It's a bit like when I joined the corps. I was in in my office at 4-2. I done, went to 4-2 commando after 30 commando. Uh, I was the impress holder. And uh, I was in my office and I got a career commission. So the opportunity was to stay there, potentially have OF-55 to stay under 55. So it would have been okay. more, more extension. Potentially would have made major, maybe, you know, seeing the way, way things went. Uh, and, you know what I mean? Would have been happy. And, and again, I, all I ever wanted to do was be a Royal Marine. So mm-hmm. I love the Corps and I still love the Corps. But there was just something about sitting in front of the computer screen wasn't... Floating your boat. Wasn't, and it's not what I joined up for. So yep. it means that, you know what I mean? And up until that point, I haven't really had that, right, this is it. For eight years, you'll sit in front of a computer screen and this will be your job. Okay. And that to me wasn't, wasn't. And again, there's people that are wonderful in our core that do that and right. are able to deliver it and are brilliant at it. And again, I could do it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't me you know what I mean so yeah. so I, I was saying right, well, what am I going to do so I sat in my office and went hmm right I'm going to go to university and see what see what's on at university so I went up to Marjon mm-hmm. met this sort of military liaison guy and said look what have we got on and I was looking at because we're we're all marines we're, we're great storytellers aren't we so yeah. I was looking at creative writing and I said like oh I could tell a story or two I could do that so I looked at creative writing but beside it there was this uh, acting uh, degree BA honours in acting this is what I want to talk about. Yeah. Let's, let's go into this. So but I, I looked at this acting thing and I thought, hmm. And then I tracked back and looked at what we do in the Corps and what, what we have to do. And I think from, from a Royal Marine, so as soon as you join in the Royal Marines and you get through training, once you get that single tape in your arm or you're a lance jack, or even if you're a senior candidate, mm-hmm. you become an actor. Okay. You, you become your own right, right, right. You're stepping up in front of people, you giving become something, right? You're giving a presentation. Yeah. I don't, even yourself, Mark, you're giving presentations. Yeah, it's like you have acting. to stand up, you've got to perform, you've got to, you've got to deliver. And for me, that that was exactly it. So I thought, oh no, we've just been actors. And again, even that moment, that operational moment, where you're going to go, right, we're going to do a raid uh, in Iraq, we're going to do a raid. I'm looking at the guys, right, we'll go forward here, we'll go that, we'll probably be engaged by the enemy here. Engaged, everything else, up. all orders are given, but you're there and you're, you're giving the orders to the lads. The lads are going... We're gonna, we're gonna be, people are gonna be shooting at us. We're gonna, we're gonna be facing death, mm. and so in the way. But they're looking at you. You're the commander, and you're going, yeah, yeah, of course we are. Let's just, just go with it. That's it. That's it. Any problems? It's not. Think about your actions, your drills, but mm-hmm. you still perform, and you've got to perform to inspire these guys because we're doing what we have to do. And again, when Royal Marines were gifted because we've got some incredible mm-hmm. people that are, again, they're gonna go there and get amongst it. So I thought, oh, we've sort of always been acting in a way, but. I, you know, for me it wasn't. It was. It's a bit real for me. The core was the reality, whereas acting 
is in is unreality. So it's it's like so mm -hmm. rather than you know being in the reality. Now I can go on stage and you know I mean I can pretend I'm in cold weather. I can pretend, yes. I'm, yeah, no, yeah. but I still miss that massively. Yeah. But for that, but the, there was one criteria thing for me transform becoming an actor after nearly thirty years in the core was my wife said, um, "Could you not join the reserves?" Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Why?" She said, "Because after thirty years in the Marines, you leaving and going to university, you will turn into one of the boost." horrible buffoons I would ever <laughs> ever meet and there's no way just just do the reserves and I have to admit she was completely right you know that transformation that that move and when I, I wouldn't say I'm conditioned but I'm I'm bootnik I will until mm. until we get put in our box you know and sent off wherever we're going I'm a Royal Marine so when it came come to doing it I thought right mm. and I, th I have to admit being in the reserves and I would say this to anyone if if you're thinking or considering doing a new career or doing a transformation from the Royal Marines, just automatically transfer into the reserves. Because that, res that automatic transfer gives you that buffer where if you need that feedback, you know, that, that you know, boot neck mm -hmm. to boot neck chat, banter, bit of a break from like, you know, again, performing again in a different sort of environment where you feel secure and safe, it gives you a really a brilliant place. And the RMA, RMA does as well. So yeah. for me, it was, it, it was, brilliant that, that having the Royal Marines and being part of the Royal Marines Reserve and the Royal Marines family still while at university uh, it it helped me massively it really Mate, helped me I 100% back exactly what you said yeah. you know just a little a little bit of mine you know I, I left the corps in 2006 to do CP which didn't work out it was a full on civvy never even crossed my mind to join the reserves yeah. and, and and I think for a lot of guys it's similar that's when you start to go down that that bad yeah. route because I didn't feel like I belonged to anything. Yeah. I, I felt like one minute I'm I'm up on this high and I'm this god with the green beret. Next minute, you know, I'm driving a scaffolding truck around Plymouth. And I yeah. remember a particular incident when I was outside Stonehouse Barracks, and I wasn't actually a scaffolder. I just mm. had a HGV license, and uh, the lads are throwing this this scaffold rigging thing up, and every time a car drove past, which I thought would have been one of the lads I knew, I hid behind the truck. And, and, it, and it sounds so stupid but yeah. I was like they're going to think I'm a bum yeah, yeah. because I, I just wasn't part of that elite group anymore and looking back I don't know why it didn't cross my mm. mind but I, I should have instantly went into the reserves so I just still felt connected and then I wouldn't have felt so I don't think ashamed is the word no, but I even have felt that, so again, I, I mean for you I wouldn't have felt ashamed because we do have like you know scaffolders and all that there, and that's what the, the beauty of the reserves is and going ah I know a bloke he's a scaffolder he's a bootneck he's this yeah, thing yeah, you yeah. know what I mean so and it is magical and I think the way the way sort of the, the government and everything else and the, and the, the investment in revert, reserve forces is going it's just a magical thing and I know I'm I'm slightly crustier than you know the youthful young bootneck I was but I absolutely really love getting away I'm officer commanding two raiding troop uh so I think all my lads were, were IRC craft operators, so they do like you know beach reconnaissance and this sort of stuff, and and they're incredible. They're incredible operators. They're incredible like you know bootnecks, but they're also like you know extremely competent at what they do, okay. and they're and they're massively appreciated by their regular counterparts in one assault group. So that that's really beneficial. Yeah. And uh, I, I you know I I really enjoy just keeping my hand in, in the reserves. But again, it's become more and more difficult because I'm now a professional actor. <laughs> you know, and, and it's it's just, you know, making sure that 
I can still support as best I can, as well as like you know, doing what my new career is. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's also the added bonus. I don't know if this is still the case, but I remember being on Telic One, and one of the the uh, reservist marines with me was on more money than Sergeant Major because yeah, yeah, he had to yeah. match his civvy wage yeah. um, when he deployed. Um, That's so he mobilised. Yeah. yeah, minimal responsibility, maximum pay plus all the bonuses. Yeah. You know, getting those uh, deployments in, you know, those stories and those dits and those experiences. Yeah. But um, and again, it's it's like it's like anything. If you're a credible, like you know, bootneck, and mm. you still got something to offer, then 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 do it. And, I, and I'd say just if if the lads are listening to this, just if you're thinking of like you know changing careers, just 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 do it automatically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just wherever you're going to live, wherever you're going to live in the UK, if you're living in the United Kingdom, then just it's an opportunity you can, you can you can you can still be part of it but also i think it'll help you massively in your, your mm. transformation no i agree so let's talk about the acting then let me let me delve in there a little bit deeper tell us how that all went you went to marjohn's you, you know you, yeah. you've wrecked this course you've made your mind up you're gonna pursue acting um how did that go from the beginning because we talked about oh, the, the resilience yeah. you've had to build up even as a steely-eyed ml 30 year plus bootneck but with it, my first day at university, I sort of rocked up. The first decision goes, right, what actually do you wear as a civilian going to university? I'm going, I don't have any uniform. So I'm going, hmm. And luckily, one of my lecturers went, oh, in the old days, in the old days, uh, actors used to wear just blacks when they're in rehearsal space. And I'm going, did they? Okay. So I went straight down to Marks and Sparks and got myself five T-shirts and, and five uh, black uh, sweat bottoms and I know how to uniform to wear to university, so that's my that's my acting uniform as such. But with it, I I really enjoyed it. There's obviously I was the uber mature student, so the nearest age to me was was uh, 23 years old, which is the same age as my youngest son, mm-hmm. uh, and that was our that was the, the gang I sort of went to university with, and it was it was an incredible time. I learned so much, and I think I, I did. I knew I knew you you had a sort of become an actor rather than you know I know it's natural actors mm-hmm. but to learn the trade and learn you know that the industry as such was really important and I, and I got that universally I got what you know it, for me I gone yeah it did it, it, it's trained me to become an actor and it put me in good stead but I think because of my life experience and everything else I was forward thinking so I was, I was already planning ahead okay obviously stage name moving forward what you're doing you know it, it, it's really it's important to keep that plan ahead. And I think as an actor, and I think my young sort of like colleagues at university, it's so hard for young people to get into this industry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think for me, it should be slightly more easier because there's not a gazillion that age group all piling out of actor training, all going for the same jobs in the industry. Mm-hmm. Whereas mine, by the time they get to my age, normally they've either, you know, become directors moved on become okay, writers right, blah, blah, yeah. or and there's still you know so there's, there's not as much of a pool of hardened sort of actors but bearing in mind though those people that are there have had like 30 years experience of acting mm-hmm. unlike myself but again I, and it doesn't I don't that doesn't put me off in any way because of my life experience as a Royal Marine it black cats it in a okay, way or, right. or matches or you know it, that my life experiences do help you know for, for in my acting you know mm-hmm. craft yeah of course but uh, I, since then, like you know, since finishing university, it's just keeping going. I've got an agent now. Uh, I'm moving forward. I've just finished, like you know, uh, some film work. Uh, and again, I, I'm just keeping things. I've got a, obviously going to do international tour. We're going to Canada with Soldier On coming up in the next month or so. 
got a couple of auditions looking at and to, for plays in the new year and I'm just continually sort of getting cast in for a TV work and film work and mm-hmm. I've just got to just just keep plying my trade and improving my casting and my audition skills and just moving forward with it and obviously if any sort of casting directors listening to the blog <laughs> just throw us a bone yeah throw it, us a bone it's, it's called a podcast Tommy it's not oh, a is blog it? is it not you catch up come on what's, what, is, it, is it blog different is it <laughs> we can blog this maybe I don't know we'll figure it <laughs> you're, out you're blagging it we're, bla- yeah, we're, <laughs> you're all, blagging we're all milk off too tough <laughs> just I just want to go back very quickly because you just mentioned it briefly you said a stage name yeah so tell me about that a little bit. I, I know your stage name. Tell our listeners what you go as on the in the theatre, on the stage, on the screen. Well, it's it, my stage name. I'm I'm Tip Cullen, and I, that's that's my, that's my professional name now. So that you know, wherever that that's me, I'm Tip Cullen. There's and there's there's credibility behind the name, right? So Tip is my initials are obviously Thomas Patrick. Uh, when I was young, growing up, you know, when you were playing football or something, that would be TP, and you know, people would go, "Oh, Tip." And that was sort of like the nickname I sort of got. Just okay. Not not massive one, but it was just like, you know, tip. So it came from your initials. And Cullen was my great-grandfather's name, who I'm named after. My name's his, Thomas Cullen died on the seventh day of the Battle of the Somme in, in, in 1915. Mm-hmm. And strangely enough, when I was doing my equity, you know, with my names, because, you know, it just went round. They said, look, you need to have original name, everything else. That. And I was just going to visit... You know where he died and and the path that he followed on the Somme, exactly where he's he's one of the missing on the walls, and it's an incredible story, and I followed it and uh, it just hit at the same time. I thought, well, that's it. It's it's a no brainer. You know, I mean, it's it's you know, I did was going to be Thomas Cullen, but um, he's in Downton Abbey, so that's oh, where okay. Tip came from. So Thomas Patrick, it couldn't be Thomas Patrick, so that's where Tip. So and to be honest, I really quite like it. You know, I mean, it's yeah. you know I mean, I've never asked you that before, and I I didn't actually know, and yeah. it is, it's not. The reason I asked is because Tip is not yeah. your typical name, and, yeah. I, and I wondered where it came from. Now I know, so thank yeah. you for uh, for sharing that. But the future, I mean, what are you, what are your goals, ambitions, long term in, in the acting world? Because I've I've been, we, you know, I was up in Sheffield a couple yeah. of weeks ago. I saw you on stage at Soldier On with a couple of other bootnecks. Yeah. Uh, it was phenomenal, and actually, that was my that was my first time to the theatre. You yeah. you popped my <laughs> theatre cherry, mate, and. Um, I was actually embarrassed. I got up. I didn't know there was an intermission because I've never been to the theatre. <laughs> and I got up at the intermission. I said to the lady, because I was like, that can't be the end. What's happened there? And I said to the lady at the door, is, is that finished? Or, or do we come back to it? No, no, come back in 20 minutes. So I completely embarrassed myself. But thank you for introducing me to the theatre because now, you know, I am a fan. Yeah. Um, my wife is. She, she loves going. So now that's something that we can do together. But what's the future, mate? Um, it's... Again, it goes back to that. You know, those skills we were talking about earlier on about being a Royal Marine. It's mm-hmm. the old, it's focus, persistence, and a sense of humour. All those commandos, yes. sort of like you know, skills and ethos that we require. It, you have to have them because, unlike being in the Royal Marines, where like say your focus and your persistence, you will achieve no matter what. You will achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, barring injuries or whatever else, not. But even with injuries, you can recuperate and just keep focus, keep focus, and you will achieve what you want. And I, and I love the Royal Marines for being like that. But uh, in this industry, you can do that. You go a hundred percent, and you'll get to the the sort of like the finishing line as such on a casting thing, and then you'll just be removed for, you know, what I mean, anything. You know, what I mean, so you've got to just build up a resistance an emotional resistance to 
feeling you know what I mean just go because mm-hmm. again I think a lot of marines aren't used to failing in some way right. so just go right build up resistance like you know if it doesn't happen just put it behind you focus and move forward and for me that that's that's going to be it's my it's my my career now so and I quite enjoy I have a cheeky little grin because mm-hmm. it, it's it's so unlike well no, in a lot of ways it's so unlike being a Royal Marine but in a lot of ways it's so like being a Royal Marine mm-hmm. but you your own boss You've got to move forward. You've got to diversify and be happy to be anything. And I think that's the another bootneck quality. Mm. We are. We sort of like we can go to any part of the world, fit in there, and just mould ourselves into right. be what has to be achieved. And then mm. as an actor, that's exactly what you have to do. You you become, you know, a different person to deliver a different role. And I think. I don't want to completely flood the industry with former Royal Marines because <laughs> we're all extremely, you know, effective and capable yeah. actors. But it is, it's, it, it, my life experiences suit my new career. And I actually really, really enjoy it. And I think it's that, you know, when you leave the Royal Marines, that decision of, well, what am I going to do which is going to give me the same satisfaction? You know what I mean? Mm. And, it, and it's limited, but the same satisfaction and that roller coaster of emotions and, environments and everything I think it does it fits you know what I mean mm. I, when I left I wanted to be the postman in Plimpton I didn't realise <laughs> and, and I don't which would be a cracking job but after a week of it I might get a bit you know I mean maybe there's something else to do you yeah. know what I mean but you know still I could maybe do it as a sideline but yeah. I don't think it's you know, probably a bit more commitment so what would be the the pinnacle of this new career if you like you said earlier you know you always for you the gold standard was an ML corporal. That's, that's yeah. that was you reaching the top of your tree in your mind. In the acting world, is is that equate to being a movie star, being a theatre star, winning a certain yeah. type of award? What is the the dream in this new career? I, th- I think it's the dream for the career is sustainability. Is that okay. you know where I'm? I'm. I, I want to get to a level where I'm not chasing the work. People are asking me, they're knocking your door down. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. not knocking my door, but but they're they're going. Ah, I know something. So it's it's that, and that's sort of like you know the the move. So if I've done that, then I know I've achieved. So it's mm-hmm. not necessarily you know in winning prizes or anything else. Not though. Again, that's just you know, I mean that's like being top of your game anyway. Mm-hmm. But it's just there's so much wonderful writing out there. You know, for f- film works and and plays. Mm-hmm. That you just read them and you're going, I want to get involved with that. I want to, you know what I mean? It's it's incredible, and a lot of it, the stuff I like mostly is 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 real people, real stories, real human beings. You know, believable stories. You know what I mean? And yeah, you know I mean, of course, we all love like you know sci-fi, comedy, everything yeah. else now. But I just really like something that really gets in and and, and gets amongst you know real mm-hmm. people, and I, and I I love that, and it's quite magical. And even even if I'm watching the telly or something, if it's a real you know a, a gritty drama or something based on true life you mm-hmm. can see how people are going through real emotions and it's got it's got to be believable and that's for me as an actor I'm going sometimes people go I believe that you know what I mean and uh, you know that's mm. that's just what if, if, I'm, if I'm doing that then hopefully I'll get my aim which is just to be yeah to be in demand slightly yeah. do, do you do that when you're watching TV you know because for me sometimes I'll I'll sit back and, and switch off other times we talked about a film uh, 71 with, with Jack O'Connor yeah. that I watched the other day and I was on the edge of my seat watching this film when yeah. you watch TV now is it almost like research like you're, you're watching an actor 
and thinking, oh my God, that was amazing how they did that and they really yeah. got into that character and that was so realistic. Do you kind of use it as research and then... Well, I think subconsciously I do. Yeah. But when I'm sitting there with my wife, she'll look at me and say, I'm a spotter. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'll have to go, yeah, 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 okay, okay. You know what I mean? But yeah. subconsciously, you're just watching it. But also, it's... I, I get quite envy, you know, I'm, I'm envy and going, I could do that. You want to be on there doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, it's like when you're watching, and maybe it's probably why, rather than in my life in the core, I was, I was a player rather than a a spectator, you know what I mean? Yes. So most of the things I've done was always a player, you know what I mean? Always, so, yeah. so now when I'm even watching a play, you know, I love going to the theatre, mm-hmm. but watching a play, I'd be like going, ah, you, and you sort of, you get mm-hmm. hold of the ball, you know, and you, and you, you want to you wanna be there and be part of it, you know, so I, I, I'm definitely a, a player rather than a spectator and I think I, that's my perception in life. You've got to be a player rather than a, you yeah. don't watch it, you got to do, do it. You mean, I think you're like that as well. Yeah, totally, mate. Totally, totally get that. Yeah. Tommy, yeah. you are a man of vast experience. You know, like we said, a long time in the core and now <laughs> onto this, you've completely switched far into this new career. What advice would you give to anybody serving in the core now? Either if they're, if they're happy with their career yeah. and they want to crack their 22 plus and carry on, whether they're considering going outside and doing something diverse yeah. or whether they're already outside and there's something that they really want to do but for whatever reason they're not doing it. What would you say to them? And, and what direction it's, would you steer them in? It's, it's, it's quite weird, that one, because I think there's you've got to look at the two angles. You know I mean, The one thing is you've got to follow your dreams and do what you want mm-hmm. to do. For me, that was that was the Royal Marines. You know what I mean the yeah. the acting thing sort of like is an evolution that's come from that. But for me, I I don't think I could pursue full time a career doing this if I wasn't you know stable family wise and okay. you know what I mean. So you've got to do your sums in a way. You've got to go mm-hmm. right. Can I afford this? What do I? What are my responsibilities? What are my risks? You know what I mean? So, and this is even for a young actor, you know, for for that young Marine does, mm-hmm. does you know, a short time, he goes, I'm going to train as an actor. But when he does that, and he goes, university, like anything, he's got to do his sums, he's got to do his ad, and he goes, right, this will cost this, 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 right. and this, this. Just do your sums properly. Anything can be done. you just got to manage it. And you've got to make the sacrifices to meet that management. Mm-hmm. But, and again, and add that, if you've got layers, if you've got family, then you've got to add that and just do it. It's just do your sums mm-hmm. and do your thought processes before you do it. Mm-hmm. But whatever you do, I think it's got to be it's got to be achievable. You know what I mean? And anything's achievable as long as you you've got that mindset. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just got to you know and that preparation and planning. Everything you do in the core, you know your seven Ps and everything. Mm-hmm. Do that there, and and you will you will you will you will be effective. And that measurement just is 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 it how much passion and how much you know focus you can maintain mm-hmm. and give to it. You know what I mean? So, but for any guy. Uh, any person even the Royal Marines is first thing you do is just join the reserves yeah but that just and it gives you brokers you that period for your transformation and this is only I'm speaking from my viewpoint yeah yeah it just gives you that time to go right this is it I'm going to be back in there I'm going to focus on a new career this is it it's what I have to do but that gives you that ability to to do that transformation but still pull back if you need to and do it you know and then before you before you leave but also you'll get times there in that period where you can still commit to the Royal Marines and still bring you know positive like effect yeah. which is which again is very important and, and you still feel worthy then you know what I mean mm-hmm. yep totally that's mate 
it's been a, it's been an honour. I knew it was going to be a fascinating interview. I wish we could talk for a lot longer. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me to you just can't it. Just go. No, no, just no. Go. no. Honestly, mate, I've, 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 you've been on the list since day one, and I, well, we've been back and forth in the text, yeah. mate, and I kept on messing you around a little bit, but we finally got it. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, mate, for for giving up your time today, coming over to my house and and recording this, and I, I know it's going to. Uh, it's going to resonate and, and inspire a lot of lads. Like I said, either whether they're serving, yeah. they're transitioning, or they're already outside. Hearing of a man of, of your experience and what you've been through, what you've achieved, and what you do now, um, it is going to help a lot of people. Mate. So thank you very much. No worries. Thanks very much, Mark. Well, there you have it. I told you it was going to be an inspirational episode of the podcast. From a young 17-year-old to a fully-fledged Royal Marines commando, from a GD soldier to a mountain leader, from a Marine to a W01, then to a captain, 30 plus years service, serving as a mountain leader, one of the hardest professions that you can undertake in the Royal Marines, and then doing what he was passionate about. A major switch fire, following his heart and becoming a very, very, very well-established actor. So if there's anyone out there who's listened to this, it doesn't matter whether you're a servant, former, bootneck, whatever, member of the core family. My hope is that if there's anyone out there who has a passion, whether it be to be a vet, a hairdresser, a ballerina, whatever it may be, my hope is that after listening to Tommy's interview that you go and pursue that passion. And you pursue it with everything that you have. Because we only live on this planet once. And while we're here, we've got to be happy. And we've got to do what makes us happy. Guys, that's it for this week. I have absolutely no idea who's going to be on the podcast next time. That's what makes it so exciting. I will be searching, asking, and then interviewing. So make sure that you stay tuned in. And as always, please share this throughout your bootneck networks. Please rate it. Please review it. Please let people know that it exists. And if you have anybody out there that you think, maybe yourself, who has a very interesting story to tell that other people might want to hear, please do me a favor, drop me an email. Uh, my email address is m.ormrod at rma-trmc.org. I'd love to hear from you and I'd love to get, get you on the podcast and uh, share your story with the world. Until next time, guys.